2017 was a smooth year. It was a good year, even. Um, I was 17 years old. Uh, my biggest concern was winning the starting quarterback job at my high school and um, filling my gas tank with, you know, gas was $1.75 a gallon. It was amazing. And overall, life was good. Life was good. And that kind of continued the whole year up until around this time of year. Um, a couple days after my birthday, um, I was there, a normal day, and my dad goes, hey, uh, can you take me to the clinic? Just need to do a little checkup, um, or maybe, and so, okay, so we drive, get in the car, drop him off, don't really think much about it. Um, I continue on my day, I think I went to go hang out with friends or something, it wasn't really on my mind, and then um, the evening goes on, or the day goes on, it's now evening, and you know, he hasn't come back, and so I'm, okay, interesting, and finally, um, it was around, I think, uh, six, seven, and I get a call. And it's my mom, and she says, um, your dad has to have an emergency triple bypass tomorrow. It's happening tomorrow at like, I think it's five in the morning. And so next thing you know, here we are. I'm on my way to the hospital. It's a cold, rainy night. And there's just uncertainty. I don't know what's going on. We, we go, we go to the hospital room. You know, we see him a little bit, and they wheel him off. And we're there in the waiting room. Um, and we sat, feeling isolated, feeling alone, not really knowing what to expect. I mean, my dad is there in the other room a couple feet down the hall, and I don't know what's going on. It's been hours and hours and hours and hours. But let's put a pin in that for right now. I want you guys to look at Isaiah 53, verse 4 with me. A couple points, couple points for today. One, God is the one who suffers for us. Number two, God is the one who suffers with us. So God is the one who suffers for us, and God is the one who suffers with us. So let's dive into Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Pause. So verse 4, a couple things I want to go through. One is grief. Grief, what that means, that Hebrew word means illness, literally just sickness, right? Uh, sorrows was physical pain, broken arm, hurt your shoulder, just had surgery on your rotator cuff, whatever it may be. But also, they work together, and grief and sorrow become a metaphor for sin. It's a metaphor for sin, and we'll come back on that in a second. And then last, that last part of the verse where it says, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. People stuck up their noses at him. They looked at their own personal righteousness. They saw, hey, I tie the tenth of my dill and my cumin. And they looked at Jesus' suffering. They saw the fate that eventually came to him. They're like, oh, man, look at him. He must have been a sinner. God is punishing him. All the while, he's willingly choosing death for those same people. For those same people who stick up their nose at him. For those same people who condemn him. Right? Because he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let's look at verse 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by a scourging, we are healed. So transgressions, uh, crimes, wrongs, even open rebellion, complete heart posture turned away from God, turning your back to God. Iniquities is sins. The literal word translated from the Hebrew is bent out of shape. It just doesn't quite fit. It's a square peg in a round hole. 
And then chastening is a punishment for well-being, like a parent disciplining your child, you know, with the chancla or taking away your phone now. Um, and then scourging, scourging, a really intense sounding word, and that's because it is. Um, it was uh, whipping with a leather whip, and the Romans would weigh it down with bone and with metal. They also ignored the Hebrew custom of the 40 minus one. So you could not uh, whip a prisoner up to 40 times, or that was the most you could do was 40. They ignored that. Um, and so it, it was intense. So Jesus bore our sickness, our sin, our mental anguish, our physical pain. He participated in our human affliction to remove it literally by miracles, right? And so look at this, um, I read from a commentator. He said, his perfect humanity, whereby he was bodily afflicted for us, and in all our afflictions was the ground on which he cured the sick. So in other words, his perfection carrying our imperfection brings us healing. His perfection carrying our imperfection brings us healing. And so I said that he bore our sin. That wasn't to say he participated in our sin, right? Because we know Jesus was without sin. He was perfect. What I mean is he vicariously bore our sin, our relational violations against each other and against God to take them away. What I'm saying is Jesus, the innocent one, suffered what we deserved so we might be rewarded as he deserved. Jesus, the innocent one, suffered what we did so that he would be rewarded as his perfect life deserved. But guys, God does not stop there. Not only did he suffer for us, there's a second point, he suffers with us. Look at Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one, or like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him despised and forsaken. That means a quick rejection. They didn't even consider him. They didn't think he was worthy of thought. They looked at him and said, oh, Jesus. Or have you ever felt that? Have you ever been rejected outright without ever really being given a chance? Have you felt this? A man of sorrows uh, acquainted with grief. Sorrows, remember physical pain and grief, illness. Have you ever experienced that? And like one from whom men hide their face. That means um, betrayal. And rejection, obviously seen with Judas and with Peter rejecting him. And with the disciples running away as soon as something go wrong. Have you ever experienced that? God willingly chose to become flesh. To experience the hardships that we face. Everything from paper cuts all the way to the cross. He willingly chose to take on, right? Because he says in Hebrews 4.15, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But guys, God's chosen suffering, it didn't end with Jesus' resurrection. He is the God who still suffers with us, right? God, in uh, uh, Psalm 34, it says, God is near to the brokenhearted. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And throughout the prophetic scrolls, God mourns for his people. And we are his people now. We continue in that same way. He still mourns for and with us. But guys, God doesn't even stop there. He doesn't even stop with suffering for us. He doesn't stop with suffering with us. Look at Matthew 25. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. So guys, God not only suffers with the needy, the sick, the marginalized. He is the needy, the sick, and the marginalized. God is present amongst our brothers and sisters in need. God is the needy, the marginalized, the oppressed, the sick, the prisoner. God is present. And so how do we respond in light of all this? as rudimentary as it sounds, as easy as it sounds, as Sabbath school answer as it sounds, (laughs) the simple answer is that we follow Jesus. We are his disciples. It's the imagery of young students following their rabbis. And, you know, they're doing what he does. They're kind of mimicking him. They eat when he eats. They sleep when he sleeps. They kind of pick up his weird mannerisms. It's like me following Peter around, right? You just kind of want to become like him, right? So what is the point of being Jesus' disciple but to follow him, but to mimic him, to become like Jesus? By being with Jesus, our goal is to become like Jesus, but not by our striving, not by our own works, but by the Spirit's inside-out transformative power that we simply have to accept that simple invitation and just spend time with Jesus. So again, our goal is to become like Jesus. So, who is Jesus? Well, based on what I just, we've been going through together, Jesus is the servant. Jesus is the servant. He builds bridges. He met us where we are. And so we are to follow in the same way. So we are to take on his role of the servant for others. Not out, or excuse me, not for salvation, but out of salvation. We become servants not for salvation, but out of salvation, right? Jesus accomplished our salvation on the cross. It's finished. It's done. It's a free gift of grace. All we have to do is accept it. So we serve not to accept salvation, or excuse me, not to earn salvation, but to mimic the servant and so become like the servant. Guys, come with me again to that hospital waiting room. There we were, it's Christmas time again. And I'm feeling, don't know what's going on. I'm scared. It's just me, my mom, my brother, we don't know what's going on. And so finally my dad gets out of surgery and after a little bit of time, we can go in and see him. And we walk into that room and I remember just seeing him. I remember seeing him, he was, he had a breathing tube down his throat, all bloated from pints and pints and pints of blood. I had never seen my dad so defenseless in his entire life. And so I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. And what happened? What happened in that moment? As the servant showed up. 
No, Jesus didn't bodily come down from on high and walk into the hospital room. But guess what? His body did. The church did. We were there for two weeks. Day after day after day, hour after hour, people would come in. On Christmas Day, people came in with food. We had the whole dinner. We had tamales, rice, beans, everything. We're there in the waiting room, and we're just there. People are looking at us like we're nuts, and we're just having a meal. People brought clothes, food, you know, more pillows and blankets because we're sleeping there. They brought like a PS4. Like we're, we're all just there together. Guys, the servant showed up. The people were following in the ilk, in the way of the servant. And Jesus is calling us to do the same.